You are listening to Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. I'm your host, Pat Ivey. And I'm your co-host, Mackenzie. And thanks for tuning in to another episode. Culture of accountability is when a lot of your athletes are doing what they're supposed to be doing, when they're supposed to be doing, how they're supposed to be doing it. Competence. Do your athletes know what they're supposed to be doing so that they can do what they're supposed to be doing? Are they committed? Will they see it from the start to the finish? Will they complete the task? Are they consistent? Eric Wood is a former American football center. He played college football at the University of Louisville and was drafted in the first round of the 2009 NFL Draft, 28th overall by the Buffalo Bills of the National Football League. Wood played nine seasons in the NFL, including a Pro Bowl appearance before retiring following the 2017 season due to a neck injury. Considered a two-star recruit out of high school by both Rivals.com and Scout.com, Wood was not ranked among the nation's top offensive line prospects. He chose Louisville over Bowling Green, Ohio, Cincinnati, Indiana, and Columbia. He finished his college career with 49 consecutive starts at center, the second longest streak in history behind Travis LeFue. In September of 2018, Wood signed as a columnist for The Athletic. He will replace the outgoing Mark Kelso as color commentator on the Buffalo Bills radio network beginning in 2019. Also, he joined the cast with the ACC network as an analyst. Welcome to the show, Eric Wood. I appreciate you having me on. Been looking forward to this uh, since we set it up and I've been a fan of the show, so it's an honor to be on with you. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. We are, we're excited to have you here. Um, I see you around campus. I see you around Lobo. You're doing big things, big things. I appreciate that. I'm trying to. Uh, you mentioned the transition in the intro, and um, you know I'm I'm still you know getting my footing in this uh, second career that I'm venturing on. But I appreciate you saying that. Absolutely, absolutely. Let me ask the first question here. You had an outstanding college career, NFL career. And today you're sitting, I, I think it's okay if, do you mind me asking your age? Yeah, that's fine. Oh, how old are you? I'm 33. 33, after a nine-year career. You are the example that, that I give when I'm talking to young men, young women, about if you did achieve your dreams as a professional athlete, then what? Right, and that's a great question. And that's something you always have to have on your mind and, and to back it up. Um, going into my ninth season, I did not expect that to be my last season in the NFL. I had just signed a contract extension before the season. So I was all set to, um, you know, I had two more seasons after that on my current contract, which would put me through year 11. At that point, my goal was to earn another contract, hopefully by the bills. And if they offered me a contract and I wanted to hang it up after year 11, that was me walking away on my own terms, which doesn't happen often in the NFL or, Knowing myself, I would have just kept playing, hopefully till we won the Super Bowl. And then even then, I probably would have said, well, let's see if we can go back to back. That's just kind of how I operate. But after the season in 2017, um, we we finally break the playoff drought in Buffalo. The 17-year drought, it's finally over. We have a new head coach. Um, 
We uh, were setting up to draft our franchise quarterback that April, and everything's going great. I'm a Pro Bowl alternate, so I actually um, went in for exit physicals and said, hey, I'm the only player on the team that played 100% of the snaps. Just let me go home. My wife's do any second with our baby boy. I said, just let me go home. Um, I'm fine. Clear me for the Pro Bowl. And they said, well, you got to grab an MRI on your neck on your way out of town. It was bothering you this year. Just go get it checked out. So reluctantly, um, I go there, get an MRI. I really just wanted to drive home. But I stopped and got an MRI on my way out of town. And three days later, I found out my career was over. So when, when you talk about you know, you have to, you go after your dreams and then you have to be thinking about what's next. For me, I always thought, hey, you know, towards the end of my career, whenever I kind of feel like the end's in place, well, then I'll start worrying about it. And for me, it just hit me like a ton of bricks because I, I was just, the news was just thrown on me at such an unexpected time. Had you had a chance to, I don't want to say plan, I mean, you kind of relayed your your plan, you know, for finishing out the contract and then hopefully getting an extension, but had you thought even further out, like life after football, even if it was on your own terms, had you thought about, you know, a, a plan of life after, like Pat was saying? Yeah, a little bit. And to answer that, I always tell guys while they're playing football or playing pro sports or whatever it may be, don't think too much about what's what you're going to do afterwards, or it'll probably happen sooner than you think. You know, I, I, <laughs> I talk to a lot of guys that want to get into real estate and they want to get, uh, go finish up their MBA or whatever it may be. And that's great. And I encourage guys to, to do those types of things, but don't forget what your number one thing is because you have a very short window in professional sports to make generational wealth and you, and you need to take advantage of that. And, and I'll never forget, um, a, a buddy of mine in Louisville, he, he got a job making 200 grand and we were all talking about how much money that truly is. Well, you know, a mid tier O lineman nowadays makes about 5 million bucks a year. That's 25 years of being an anesthesiologist, which he was 25 years to earn that $5 million. Make sure you're doing everything you can to keep playing and, and keep your mind right in the NFL. So I always kept football. Number one. Um, I knew potentially I'd want to get into the media field, uh, with sports media. So I always try to treat um, sports media members with a ton of respect, give them quotes that they could use so that one day, hopefully they would be able to help me out in turn, which has happened, which um, you know I'm extremely grateful for. Uh, but I didn't necessarily have it mapped out where I said, you know, when my career ends, I want to be in a broadcast role. I want to be doing this or whatever it may be. Uh, I kind of had to figure that out over the last year and a half. Eric, you talked about basically being focused and and not losing your focus on on what is paying the bills. Ha, no pun intended. Intended right. there. <laughs> um, how do you balance that? You know, I think that may be easier said than done. You you want to be prepared for what's next. You have to put some thought into it, but it can't take you away from trying to be one of the best in the world at something. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a balance and it's probably different for everybody. For me, I went all in on ball and I tried to keep myself grounded outside of football, um, you know, really pour into my family and my faith. And I had a foundation in Buffalo and I had some stuff outside of ball that I wasn't necessarily, my whole identity wasn't football. But like I said before, I wanted to keep football the main thing 
um, as far as what I was trying to pursue and master in my life. And so then, you know, we kind of, I don't want to say fast forward, but um, take us back to, you said three days was the time between your MRI and the time that you found out that you were done. So then can you tell us some of the things that were kind of going through your head, you know, like, you know, what's next or how do I do this or, you know, what, what was going through your mind? Well, it was absolutely insane. I got the news while I got the call while I was in the delivery room uh, with my son about to be oh born within an hour. I got the call. Whoa. We were, we had kind of gotten some news from the bills, doctors that, um, you know, I may need surgery, this and that. Um, and then I got the final call that basically my career is over 50 minutes before my son was born. So very emotional time. You know, you got the high of my son wow. being born. You got the low of my career just ending and not really knowing what to say or do. Um, but, but, you know, you do have time, you know, it's like, I, I didn't feel like in that moment I needed to figure out exactly what I was going to do next. You know, I, I think it's, um, something that I'm passionate about is making an impact on others positively. And I didn't know exactly in what fashion I would want to do, but I knew I didn't necessarily want to, you know, sit in a cubicle or sit at a desk job because I'm not really cut out for that. There's, there's parts of that with any job. I'm sure, uh, shoot this fall, I'll be sitting at a desk studying a whole lot of film prepping for games, but I knew I didn't <laughs> want to just punch a nine to five. And I had the financial situation where I didn't necessarily have to do something, uh, that I didn't want to do. So, um, for me, it took some time. It took some auditions. It took a lot of networking. Uh, but finally this fall, I'll have a couple of gigs that I'm pretty proud of. That day that you were in the delivery room, um, reminds me of something I've heard before and it goes, be prepared in advance to have the greatest day of your life while you're prepared in advance to possibly receive some of the worst news you've ever heard in your life. And that's that's kind of an emotional stability um, statement or a quote. And to me, that that moment epitomizes that statement. What What is it? Just take us through your emotions during that time, that day? What is it like? What is that emotional roller coaster? How did you manage that? Yeah, I, I like that quote. Um, you know, something similar that, that me and my family talk about is uh, you better, like in the Bible, it says you better have your foundation built on rock because you're either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or about to go into one. So there's going to be tough times in life. So you better have a rock solid foundation. And for me, um, yes, it was emotional. It was really tough because we were going to start seeking other opinions from doctors. Um, so I didn't really want to tell anybody outside of my wife at the time. Uh, my, my wife is still my wife. I didn't want to tell anybody at that time that <laughs> what was going on, because if it, I didn't want to scare people and I didn't want people to feel bad for me if it turned out to, that I could end up being able to play again. So, uh, but it was, it was definitely emotional. Uh, like I said, you have this extreme high of a healthy baby boy. And then you have your career, which I poured so much time and effort throughout my life to get to, and it just gets ripped out from under you. How would you say that you prepared your foundation of stone 
for, you know, such a both difficult and happy time. Um, but I mean, that's huge, massive life changes all happening. And, you know, throughout your career, you know, like you said, blessed to have nine years. Um, there are plenty of people that their career ends voluntarily or not, but they could be after one year or after 15 years and they are financially and emotionally and, you know, maturity wise, just unprepared for making that transition. So how did you kind of over the the nine years build your foundation on rock? Like you said, well, you know, I think staying grounded, um, and whether that's me staying grounded in my faith, uh, me making my family family a priority in my life, uh, surrounded by just an unbelievable group of friends and mentors uh, in Louisville, um, you know, all of that kind of helps you go through something like that. But it what but it wasn't a necessarily a smooth foundation, and, and and I had an identity outside of football. But anytime you know when you move on from being a pro athlete. There's different challenges for everybody. For me, it was um, I missed like I, I I didn't have a sense of fulfillment each day where I was chasing my craft. It, it came in the form of you know if I was training for the upcoming season and I was sitting around watching TV on the couch while well, I was recovering. Well, now that I'm mm-hmm. not playing, if I'm sitting around on the couch, like I'm being lazy. And <laughs> for me, I just drove myself nuts, and I lived with this anxiety of I got to be doing something productive. I need to. I need to be doing something. I'm not chasing anything. I'm not mastering anything. And it, it kind of drove me nuts um, mm-hmm. for a time. And, and and I dealt with a little bit of anxiety through that, um, which I never felt in my life, which was crazy. You know, I just, I had this like almost like worried stomach, pit my stomach feeling. And I had no idea why, you know, to me, I'm like, I'm fine. What's going on? Um, but, you know, even with what I would call a strong foundation going into it, there were definitely some times um, where there were some lows that came in the form of anxiety of worrying about what's next. And, you know, you can memorize scripture and understand that, hey, God's got plans for me that's bigger than mine. And, you know, um, you know, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. you can memorize, don't be anxious about anything, but in every uh, situation, um, you know, give thanks to God and, and he'll get you through. You can memorize that kind of stuff, but in the moments, sometimes it's difficult to, uh, to recall those. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about identity. Um, you've mentioned that word. I've done some reading on it. What did you do to keep your identity from just being Eric Wood, the football player? That's a great question. Um, you know, for me, I, I try to make it a priority at all times to serve. I think one of the best forms of leadership is servant leadership. Show me first, and then you can tell me about it. So in my life, um, you know, in Buffalo, we had a foundation um, that assisted children and families with children that have um, severe disability or severe illness. So um, you know, so you really get grounded when you spend time with these families and these kids and, you know, kind of like, uh, you were saying, Mac, you could look at it two ways. Hey, I got to play nine years in the NFL or man, my career mm-hmm. got cut short. And, you know, you could kind of, um, anytime you can truly gain perspective, whether it's me going to love city in Louisville and, and, and volunteering my time in one of the top 10 poorest neighborhoods in the country or spending time around people that have serious issues because they did nothing wrong in their life. They just had a child that was born 
sick or disabled, you really can stay grounded and, and uh, center in on your identity in those moments. This podcast is sponsored by Soranex Exercise Equipment. Since 1980, Soranex has been a family-owned business responsible for legendary innovations and training solutions that have changed the face of strength training. Today, Soranex is the most sought-after strength brand for professional teams, colleges, high schools, and military units. During this process of growth, our clients have become an extended family to us, part of our brotherhood, our culture. We want to thank you, our customers, friends, and family for being the foundation on which Soranex is built. We promise to do our best to continue to serve you with the best strength training equipment and service in the industry. And so with your newfound identity kind of in, you know, broadcasting and media like you were talking about, how do you set new goals for yourself in something that is relatively new? You know, do you do you say I want to get an interview? Do you say, I want this job? Like, how do you measure your progress in something that, like you said, is you worked your whole your whole life for football. So you knew, you knew what it was going to take. You knew the steps you needed to take and you knew what success looked like. So how, what's your gauge now or how are you figuring that out? Yeah. I, I don't know what my end goal is. I don't know if it would be to call a Super Bowl like Tony Romo <laughs> did last year or do Monday night football, or, you know, this will be my first fall doing the Bills radio broadcast, and I'm an analyst for ACC Network, I think I'll have a lot more clarity after this year. But, shoot, I may just love doing Bills radio and being able to be a fan and be a part of the community and the the organization again. Uh, But I'm not sure yet. I just know that uh, I'm excited about something in broadcasting that I can now go try and be the best at something else and, and, you know, the best version I can be. You know, I – Tony Romo went right out of playing ball to CBS and and really made a name for himself. I was talking to executives from CBS recently, and they're like, don't put too much much pressure on yourself because there's only been one Tony Romo in the last 27 years, <laughs> you know, that he, he had been in broadcasting, uh, had been affiliated with them. So, you know, I don't know exactly what it looks like, but I want to have a killer fall this year. I'm going to try to take the same approach I took to playing ball with the preparation and the mindset visualization and kind of take all that approach into this fall, but it's going to be tough. You know, I'm going to be preparing for two games a week, go from an ACC game Saturday to wherever the bills are at Saturday night, probably not Mm -hmm. get a whole lot of sleep and then have to get on the call in the morning uh, for the bills (laughs) because they play it almost every Sunday at one besides Thanksgiving this year. So it'll be, uh, it'll be kind of wild, but I'm looking forward to it. And and honestly, it's, um, it's probably a pride thing, but, a lot of people are saying, you know how difficult it's going to be this fall to prepare for two games and this and that. I'm like, good. I want difficult. I want a challenge again in my life. Mm-hmm. And so with these new gigs that you've got and your podcast, which by the way, everyone is called What's Next with Eric Wood. Um, are you starting to, is your identity starting to morph into kind of a that broadcaster feel? Like, have you sensed you know, I'm less the NFL football player and now I'm more the broadcaster. You know, I think at this point, yeah, I think at this point, everybody still uh, looks at me as a football player, especially when I'm in Louisville or Buffalo or those types of areas. But 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, hopefully I, I, I will create an identity in broadcasting. And, you know, one of the toughest things for me during that year off um, that I had last year was people would come up to me and say, Eric, what are you going to do next? Uh, what are you, you going to do work-wise? And I'd say, oh, I'm not sure yet. And they'd say, well, you're too young to be retired. I'd say, I understand, but I'm figuring <laughs> it out. And they'd be like, well, you know, so-and-so's got a company. And I'm like, nah, we're good. Like, it drove me nuts how, and, and people weren't trying to be, but it always came across as really condescending to me uh, in a time where I was just, I was literally trying to figure out what's next for me. And that's kind of where my podcast got its name, What's Next with Eric Wood, because I'm interviewing people uh, that have made transitions in life and basically just trying to learn from them. Yeah, that's that's really good. Um, I've got to share something this morning from this morning. I had a chance to go to parent education because I have a freshman in high school and they were just sharing lots of information that parents need. Uh, and, and this is from the counselor's perspective, the teachers and the administrator's perspective. I couldn't believe uh, some of the issues that that they're being faced with in high school. And, um, and, and we're seeing those athletes and those students show up on our college campuses. But what what have you seen over your career with the incoming players, the younger generation, regarding uh, substance abuse and things like that? Uh, it it just is really on my mind. They spend a lot of time talking about jeweling. I don't know if you mm-hmm. I'm sure if you know what that is. Yeah, uh, you know I I've knew I know about vaping and uh, e cigarettes, but jeweling seems to be a really big problem. Uh, what experience did you have? Um, or what do you know about that? Well, you know, I, I know it's bad for you. And, um, <laughs> you know, you start doing that stuff in high school and your brain's still being formed. Um, that's, that's not good for longevity, whether that's, you know, underage drinking or smoking or whatever it may be. I know that's very bad for development. And, um, you know, with guys that I've seen in college in NFL, you know, it always amazed me these guys that would fail drug tests and miss games or, you know, in college get suspended or whatever it may be like, man, you have got to have your, like you are going to get drug tested in college. You have to go four years without smoking pot, put it down because your dreams and aspirations have got to be bigger than smoking pot with your buddies. And, and to me, you know, and I know it's a, it's a culture thing where, you know, I didn't grow up with that in my house and, and some people have, and, you know, for me, I can sit here on my horse and say, yeah, you know, how do you fail a drug test? But then where I'm from and where they're from, that's similar to just drinking a beer. And so it's I understand the culture differences for some people. But, um, you know, to me, you just got to have bigger dreams that make you not want to do those things. And I'm not saying I'm an angel and I'm not saying you have to be a choir boy to play at the college level or at the NFL level, but you have got to be smart about when you are going to let loose and have fun and not make decisions that can compromise your career and your dreams. Did you see it as more of an issue? I guess the more, the older you got, like even in your career in the NFL, did you, you know, towards year seven, eight and nine, were you noticing it becoming more of an issue for the younger guys on the team or it just like you were saying, it's just, it's, you know, kind of depends on where you came from and what you grew up with. 
Yeah, not necessarily a big shift. You know, when I got to college, it amazed me, um, you know, how many people grew up, um, you know, with substance abuse, like with them uh, partaking and all that. Um, and like I said, I, I'm not being judgy. I am far from a choir boy and, and, mm-hmm. and all that. But um, to me, you know, especially in the NFL. So in the NFL, you get drug tested once a year for street drugs and you know about when it's coming. So you essentially can do whatever you want for 10 months a year and then you got to stop for two. It's amazing to me that guys fail those tests and <laughs> compromise a career that they worked so hard for uh, on a test that you know is coming. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I had a little bit of experience in the NFL and that would be something, you know, some team, some guys, some teams were different than others. On on some teams that I was on, you didn't really have that culture, and then on others, their uh, the, the culture is strong, and it, it is amazing that someone can't just prioritize uh, what they want to do and, and and how they want to go about things in life. What what do you do as far as setting your goals and accomplishing your goals? How do you do that? Recently, uh, in the past couple of years, I've been working with a, a life coach that I got referred to. Uh, he's an executive coach. We talk once a week on the phone, and he holds me really accountable to setting goals and making lists and uh, being accountable to those and not just making a New Year's resolution and then you know, breaking it a month later, really taking time to uh, spe- set specific goals in my life, whether that's relationally, spiritually, physically, whatever it may be. Um, I've, I've been very intentional these last few years about setting goals. Um, and, and some of them are small. Some of them are, you know, take at least two trips with the family out of town. Take, you know, t- at least two trips with just my wife out of town. Um, you know, spiritually get in the word every morning and not compromise that because, you know, you're busy or whatever it may be. Um, physically, you know, this since retiring from the NFL, a lot of it's been weight loss related or figuring out a workout routine that's going to keep the weight off but not damage my joints any further than they are or whatever it may be. So I, I, I do try to be very uh, intentional in my life about setting goals. I think that's awesome that you have a life coach. I just want everybody to hear that because there's so many and really too many people that think that life coaches are kind of like the woo-woo, like sort of therapy, but not quite therapy. And like only soft people need life coaches and stuff. But I mean, we've had, I think most of the people on the podcast that we've asked about, you know, does a coach ever stop needing a coach? Does a person ever stop needing a coach? And so I think you nailed your explanation there when you hit right on accountability. And that's really you know, what it comes down to. So I think, can you just touch, you know, expand on that a little bit more for the people who, like I said, there's a lot of them are skeptical about, you know, having a life coach and and making that, if there's, you know, a little bit of a stigma around having a life coach for some people. Yeah, I'll I'll say this. So um, I guess it was about two years ago, I was an accountability partner for somebody else who had this same executive coach. And we were talking on the phone and I said, hey, Mac, if we were to work together, where would we start? And he said, well, um, you know, you talk about your daughter a lot. And at the time she was one or two. And he said, you talk about your daughter a lot. In 15 years from now, let's say she's introducing you to speak at her high school. 
how does she introduce you? What does she say? And I was like, man, that's a really good question. He said, well, it could kind of go two ways because I know you're going to be successful in whatever you do after football. This is him saying that. And he said, you know, it could be, this is my dad. He was a pro football player. He went on to be a big time businessman. He'll be able to give you tons of life lessons today on being successful. Or does she say, my dad played pro football, but he's my best friend. He comes to every game that I've ever had, doesn't miss a practice, He, you know, and, and go on that way. Well, those are two really good things, but don't just get the one or the other on accident. Don't live your life on autopilot and then get somewhere 15 years down the road and say, dang, how did I get here? Or, man, I really wish I would have thought about this along the way. So a big thing we talk about is not living on autopilot. And shortly after that conversation, I hired him. Um, but so, <laughs> He sold you. Yeah, he did. <laughs> and I said, well, that's actually great. And, and at that time of my life, uh, even though I was still playing ball, we did, you know, now we do, you know, he'll give me a career advice and he, we're, he, he, he calls it uh, moving the mirror. So he's always getting me to look at stuff from different angles, no matter what it is in my life. It's an investment, stuff with the family, if it's a career opportunity, whatever it may be. But, um, you know, for me at that time when I was still playing, we did lessons on leadership and every week after the game, you know, I, I get the coach's perspective. They tell me how well I played. Well, he was asking me, were you a good leader last week? Were you positive every morning? What time did you get to the stadium? And just holding me accountable on a different level. And for me, it's been phenomenal. You know, we've done, and I I have suggested doing this with a lot of my buddies. So as a man, I want a scorecard with almost everything. And I come from a divorced house and I I don't want to, you know, I want to be very intentional about having a strong relationship with my wife. Well, he suggested that every week on Mondays, which we did it today, I get a grade from my wife and she gives me a couple of reasons why I got that grade. And then I can't give her any justification for anything in response. I just say, thanks, baby. I appreciate it. Because I want to know where I stand because as men, you want a scorecard. You want there to be a scoreboard. And so, you know, it's just been little stuff like that that I never would have thought of that I've gotten just great. Uh, valuable information from this guy back I work with. Did you just say your wife gives you a report card? Well, it's not a report card. It's a, it's a simple text and uh, <laughs> it's a one to 10 grade. And, and she'll, you know, last week it was, Hey, you got a nine. Uh, you were really helpful that morning when I was busy with the kids and you, you know, stay back from a workout or whatever to help out. Cause you knew I was, and I was like, it feels good as a man to get those things, but I also want to know when she says, look, you've been traveling and sitting on your phone at night, like, mm. that's not okay. And I'm like, baby, I didn't even realize that. Thank you for telling me. Wow. You just mentioned two things that I, you just took my grade down. <laughs> <laughs> you just took it down. Uh, Eric, we, got, we, we have one more question for you. Okay. Um, and you talked about weight loss and that transition what's is what can you give some advice to um some coaches because a lot of coaches are former athletes and teachers and just in terms of your weight loss journey um because you were an offensive lineman you weighed 300 plus pounds um what advice can you give people yeah so you know i don't think there's any certain diet that you have to follow or whatever it may be, you know, what worked for me was cutting a lot of carbs out, 
of my diet because I had to consume so many calories to keep the weight on. But I also wanted to maintain my muscle. So I wanted to keep the protein high. I knew that. So I cut out a lot of carbs um, early on. And in my, in my first four months out of the NFL, I lost 53 pounds. And everyone's like, well, you were so big. You know, I bet it was easy. I'm like, yeah, the first 20 were easy. You know, the next 30 weren't. And uh, so I tell people, you have to break habits. So for me, what helped me was intermittent fasting because I was so used to going to the cabinet first thing in the morning and drinking a shake. Before bed, every night I had a protein shake. Generally, I'd have cottage cheese, almond, and maybe a piece of fruit or something. Well, I was doing that every single night for 15 years to keep on weight and and all day around the clock eating. Well, tightening my eating window to six or eight hours, that broke a lot of the habits that I needed to get rid of. So I, I, I try and encourage people, you know, if it's intermittent fasting, try that. If you want to, if you, if you really like carbs, then cut the fat, keep your protein high, but cut the fat. If you, if you can, if you're more of a, Hey, I want a fatty cut of meat or something, or I like my butter, whatever it may be, maybe ketogenic works for you. But ultimately, um, it's amazing how much better my body feels having lost the weight. I haven't taken an Aleve or Tylenol in about a year and a half. And prior, I was on prescription anti-inflammatories for six months a year. I mean, that's a big shift. And for me, I think the weight loss and cleaning up my nutrition uh, was just a, a huge reason for that. And part of the reason why I can still run around and work out at my gym I got here in town and, and do all that without needing to foam roll and stretch and warm up like I used to. Wow. It's been a pleasure having you, Eric. Uh, where can our listeners find you? Yeah, so on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at ewood70. And then um, I, I have my podcast as well, What's Next with Eric Wood. Uh, you can find that on iTunes, anywhere a, a, a podcast uh, can be downloaded. So uh, appreciate anybody checking out the show, but it's been a pleasure being on with you guys. Thank you so much. It's been great having you on and have a great night. Thanks, you too. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Soranex Exercise Equipment. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. You can find show notes and more at beyondsetsandreps.com. That's B-E-Y-O-N-D-S-E-T-S-A-N-D-R-E-P-S dot com.